Good evening, everyone. Welcome for, to, <laughs> I almost said welcome for being here. And that's the kind of day I'm having. Uh, well, <laughs> I almost said it again, thank you for being here. Welcome to TNL. Um, I want to start off tonight by just asking a question. Um, what are you anxious about right now? Like, let's just take like 10 seconds, just take a deep breath, and just think like, what is going on in your life that you're anxious about right now? What do you do? What do you do about it? How do you manage or cope or deal with your anxiety? How does uh, your anxiety and the ways that you cope with it form you? The passage that we're looking at tonight in Philippians 4 uh, talks about these very things. Uh, we're only looking at four verses tonight, but we have a ton to talk about. Um, so we're going to jump right in. Uh, this is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8. Paul writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about every, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. That word, rejoice, the root of it in Greek comes from the word uh, charis, which means gift. So to rejoice is to be aware of gift. Paul is saying never fail to uh, notice and revel in all of God, all the gifts that God has given you. Uh, around here, we would talk about this by saying practice gratitude. This is the kind of, uh, this is kind of a striking thing for Paul to say, given his circumstances. Uh, as we've talked about before in this series, looking at this book of Philippians, uh, Paul is in prison. He's writing this in prison with the very real possibility that he may be put to death at any point, at any day. And yet he calls us and his readers in Philippi to rejoice. This kind of joy, this, this noticing gift this isn't a fake or forced happiness. Uh, this isn't the kind of like Christian cliche of just putting on a happy face. Uh, this isn't, uh, hey, some guy a long time ago died on a cross and therefore you should just buck up and put a smile on your face because reasons. Uh, this is something much stronger and deeper and more real. Uh, Paul is urging his audience to wake up to expand their awareness uh, to the immense gift all around them. But again, this is odd for, for, for a person who thinks that their entire purpose in life is to travel around telling people about Jesus, who now finds himself unjustly in prison, which I don't know if you know anything about prison, but that makes it really hard to travel around and tell people about things. Why is this guy telling everyone to rejoice? This encouragement to rejoice comes from a deep conviction that all of life is a gift to know and to love God deeper. It comes from the conviction that God is up to something good, that God is working for good, even in the most dire circumstances. There are gifts in everything. For Paul, who again saw his whole purpose to be uh, uh, telling people about Jesus, being in prison doesn't actually <laughs> hinder him at all. 
it gives him a chance to talk to people that he would never normally get to talk to, his fellow prisoners and Roman guards. In fact, one of the first uh, people at Philippi to join the church, to form the church, was a guard from a prison that Paul was in because when Paul goes anywhere, he kind of gets thrown in prison. He says, rejoice, expand your awareness, expand your vision to the bigger picture and you'll see the gifts of God all around you. Opportunities for rejoicing everywhere. This is what Paul is saying. It's not positive thinking. It's not faked happiness. This is deep and powerful. Uh, it's a deep and powerful conviction that all of life is a gift to know and love a God who is always up to something good, even in our darkest moments. Paul continues on by saying, let your gentleness be evident to all. What does gentleness mean? If you remember from last year, we did a, a series through the, the fruit of the spirit. And what did we say about gentleness then? Yeah, I don't. Thank you for being so honest, my wife. Uh, I don't actually expect you to remember. Uh, and to be fair, I had to go back and look too. Uh, gentleness is a non-aggressive, non-violent expression of strength or power. And in this context that Paul is using, it's sometimes translated as forbearance or the strength of, of patient uh, restraint. So why does Paul write this right after his encouragement to rejoice? What's going on here? Uh, to understand this, we need to understand some of what's going on in Philippi and the Roman Empire at large at this time. Uh, one of the primary propaganda slogans of the Roman Empire is, was Caesar is Lord. This encapsulated their belief that Caesar, the ruler of pretty much all of the known world at that time, was a divine entity that had come to earth to bring about a universal peace. And that peace was achieved through Roman victory, through domination, through eradication of enemies, through aggression and violence. So in the Roman Empire, these were your choices. Uh, acknowledge Caesar is Lord or be slaughtered. Because everyone knows if you get rid of all your enemies, then all you have is peace. The famous Roman historian Tacitus uh, commented on this approach saying, they make desolation and call it peace. This was the way of Rome. This was the way of Caesar. So Caesar is Lord. Obviously, that's not what Paul is about. Paul is really clear in his belief and, and proclamation that Jesus is Lord, which was taking uh, uh, that Roman propaganda and, and turning it on its head to be about Jesus instead of Caesar. And this is the kind of thing that could get you thrown in prison and the kind of thing that could get you killed. On top of all this, Paul is writing to the city of Philippi. A couple of weeks ago, I put out a video. I posted a video uh, with some background information, historical information about the city of Philippi that I think is really helpful in understanding this entire letter. That if you missed, I hope you check out on our Instagram or, or Facebook or one of those. Um, uh, but essentially, this was... Uh, Phil Philippi was one of Augustus Caesar's favorite cities. Um, before he became emperor, he won a decisive battle there that um, made him just kind of fall in love the, with the place. Plus, it was already a very beautiful place, a very rich place. And so uh, after he becomes emperor, he uh, settles his... Um, he gives land to his top generals and his most trusted soldiers, his most loyal soldiers. And then he makes the city 
a, an Augustan city, which means even though it's in Greece, it's not part of Rome, it is treated as though it's part of Rome. It doesn't get treated like the rest of the empire or a vassal state, which is like a second-class citizen. It is treated as though it is Rome. So you have this very, very Roman city full of people who are extremely and thoroughly loyal to Caesar. And then you have a little church springing up in there, declaring Jesus is Lord. And Paul can see the writing on the wall for his, his friends in, in Philippi. If proclaiming Jesus as Lord has, has landed Paul in prison, then this growing church that is proclaiming the same thing in this very Roman city is going to start to feel the wrath of Rome. So Paul is saying, get ready. When they come at you with violence and aggression, you are going to want to respond in kind. You're going to want to retaliate, but don't. Instead, let your gentleness be known to all. What Paul is advocating for is what we today would call non-reactive uh, behavior. Paul knows that his friend's circumstances, uh, are, that they're going to be put in situations and circumstances where they're going to uh, be tempted to react immediately and lash out. People are going to uh, ridicule you. They're going to turn, uh, they're going to try to ruin your character. They're going to try to destroy your reputation, your spirit, your family, and eventually your life. And you're going to be tempted to uh, reflect their tactics and to uh, resort to aggression and violence. Instead, Paul says, develop non-reactivity. Let your gentleness be known to all. Develop gentleness. Develop into people who take a step back and can see the bigger picture of things. People who choose gentleness over aggression. People who rejoice in the Lord always. Then Paul goes on to say, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Again, this is more non-reactivity, non-reactive behavior. Do not be anxious about anything. The word anxious in, in Greek uh, comes from a word that means to split or to divide. And I think that's really fitting because isn't that kind of what anxiety feels like? Like our minds are being split or divided into all these little parts that, that you don't know what to do with. When you're anxious about something, it's like you just can't get it out of your mind, right? It just bangs around in there and you think about it over and over, which often leads you to think about other things that you're anxious about, and they also bang around in there. And then you have all these thoughts um, and anxieties in your head that you aren't making any progress on by them bouncing around in there. And also, they prevent you from thinking clearly about anything else. It divides, it splits. You're, you find yourself in a disrupted mental state. Because anxiety, that's what anxiety is. That's what it does. It divides. It splits your mind, your heart. That's going to be important in a little bit. Keep that in mind. Anxiety divides. And then Paul continues on saying, the way forward, the way to not be anxious, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is interesting because Paul uses three different words that all basically mean the same thing. Three different words for prayer that are used to describe prayer in the New Testament. Um, one is the formal act or religious act of praying. Uh, one is just the spontaneous uh, prayers that we, we ask for help when things go wrong. Um, like when you hit your thumb with a hammer, you say, oh my God. That's kind of what he's talking about. Like things that just come up out of you asking for help. Um, and then the last is just the idea of presenting a list of needs to someone. 
So why does Paul do this? Why is he using three different words that all mean the same thing? Uh, I think Paul is just trying to cover the bases here. I think he's not, he, he's trying to not give us a step-by-step prescription of what this looks like, right? Basically, he's saying, however you best are able uh, to open yourself up to God and offer him all of your anxieties, do that. So whether that's uh, praying out loud by yourself, whether that's silently meditating, whether that's journaling, whether that's going on a run, whether that's getting out in nature, whether that's getting together with a bunch of other people to pray, whatever it is, do whatever you need to do to be able to offer up your anxieties to God. So in all this, Paul is saying, expand your awareness of the gifts of God in your life that are all around you and allow those things to develop in you a a gentleness, a forbearance, a non-reactivity, even in the face of all these things that want to split and divide you. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, respond with openness to God. And if you do, he goes on to say, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of Christ, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a whole lot to unpack here, believe it or not. Uh, Paul says the peace of God, God will guard your heart and mind. That word guard that he uses is literally the word that you use to talk about Roman guards a Roman garrison, Uh, an image that would have been very familiar to the people of Philippi uh, as the agents responsible for enforcing the peace of Caesar, the oppressive and dominating and violent and coercive peace through domination of Caesar. Paul turns this imagery upside down uh, to paint a picture of, of the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds. Again, Paul is juxtaposing the shallow and violent peace offered through uh, Rome with the deep, true peace offered through God. The peace of God refers to the Jewish idea of a peace or what they would call shalom, which is an understanding of, which is understood to be a God-given state of completion or wholeness. The peace of God is about uh, things coming back together, things being made right, of, of reconciliation. Juxtapose this to um, this sense of wholeness, juxtapose that with Uh, the sense of splitting and division of anxiety. There's the peace of God, which is about wholeness and and recreation and putting things back together and anxiety, which is dividing and splitting. Anxiety divides, peace makes whole. This is a recurring theme throughout this book that I hope that you've picked up on. Uh, Paul presents his readers with a, a, a question. Which reality are you going to live into? division, or wholeness and unity. In this particular passage, he's, he's presenting the options as a Rome and anxiety versus Christ and peace. Reactivity versus gentleness. What does that look like for us today? We don't have a literal Rome. We don't have a government entity uh, that it will kill us for following Jesus. But we have plenty of other anxiety-inducing things in our lives, right? Especially, especially, especially these days. Uh, there's a lot of things that we could point to as being a metaphorical Rome today. But one that, uh, that um, I feel particularly burdened by, maybe, uh, that I want to talk about with the rest of our time tonight is, is something that's become a dominant, 
foundation almost. It's been weaved into the fabric of our culture, uh, that being outrage culture. I guarantee if you pull out your phone, if you have any news app or any kind of social media on there, even things that should be benign like Nextdoor, um, any, anything in your feed, there will, it will be littered with stories that take advantage of your anxieties and try to spark outrage. Outrage sells right now. It's what gets clicks. It's what generates advertising dollars. And it's also a really easy way to get people to do what you want. So you will see story after story, post after post, um, by people on all sides of, of the political and ideological spectrum, um, posting these stories or posts about this terrible thing that's going on that you should be anxious about, that you should be worried about, that you should be angry about. And almost always, the, the way that they funnel your anger, anxiety towards, the thing that they, their goal, like what should we do about this, is reactive behavior. It's divisive behavior. It's waging war against a person or people or entities that are responsible. So, I mean, you don't need me to tell you this, but there, uh, you see people posting about these tyrants who want to take away our freedoms with their masks and their shots, or these stupid backwards anti-vaxxers that want to kill our kids, or these racist bigots who just want to cling to their power while suppressing and oppressing the vulnerable, or those conservatives who are only about money, or those liberals who are only about power, or those fundamentalist Christian nationalists who want to uh, revolt and overthrow the government, or those Marxists who are after your kids' minds, and on and on and on. And the answer to all of these problems is to attack, to fight, to, to get rid of all of the problematic people by either convincing them that they're wrong or destroying their, their ability <laughs> to influence anyone else. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Division, division, division. Paul invites us away from this kind of reactive aggression and violence. He invites us away from that towards Christ-likeness, towards non-reactive peace that comes through humble acts of sacrificial love. So the question for you and I tonight is what are we being more formed by? What are we allowing ourselves to be more formed by? Christ's kingdom, which forms us into non-reactive and gentle and rejoicing agents of peace and wholeness, brought about through, through recreation, through repair, through reconciliation made possible through Christ? Or are we being formed by outrage culture, which turns us into reactive and anxious and bitter um, agents of, of war and hate, seeking a peace that is brought about through uh, <laughs> the destruction of everyone who disagrees with us, which sounds a lot like Rome. I hope it's obvious that, that I want to be about the way of Christ. I want to lead and be part of a community that, that is uh, being formed by, by into agents of God's peace. So, if we want to be formed into non-anxious, non-reactive, gentle, joyful people, here are a few things that we can do. The first is what Paul says right at the beginning of our passage, rejoice. Expand your awareness to see the gifts of God all around you. Practice gratitude. Second, which I think is much harder, 
Choose to believe that there is a bigger picture where God is up to something good, even in your darkest moments. This is hard, especially when, when our feeds are full of things that, that are suggesting and telling us otherwise. Which brings us to our next action step. Pay attention to what you're consuming and absorbing and how that's forming you. I'm not advocating for you to stick your head in the sand. I'm not advocating for you to not know what's going on in the world. I'm not saying you shouldn't stand up for what's right and you shouldn't stand up for against what's wrong. I'm simply offering to maybe think about limiting how much you let your fears and angers and anxieties be taken advantage of by others. Especially people who most of the time at the end of the day are just trying to make money off of you or amass power off of you. Instead, the last thing is pray, especially about the things that we're anxious about, the things that want to uh, otherwise divide our hearts and our minds. And do that however that works for you. I know that that sounds really simplistic, like pray, but it's what Paul says to do. Prayer is regrettably, not a huge part of my life. And that's something that I've been continually convicted about this past summer. Because it's, it feels nebulous sometimes. It feels hard to do. But I think what helps me is just having permission to do whatever I need to do to release my anxieties to God, whatever that looks like. And sometimes it really helps... Uh, to know that we're not alone in our prayers, which is part of why I try to text all of you to check in with you at least once a quarter to hear from you about what I can be praying about for you. But I think we can expand that a little bit. So if you'd like for me and our staff and our elders um, to be joining you in prayer about what you're anxious about, what you're praying about, uh, you can submit prayer requests. And you can do that by going to our website uh, to tnl.org prayer. We'd be honored to come, come alongside of you and, and also offer up to God whatever things are, are being thrown your way that are attempting to divide you, to divide your heart, to divide your mind. Being formed this way into non-reactive and gentle and peaceful people isn't, isn't an easy or instant process. It takes a lot of years. It takes a lot of tears to be formed this way. In, in some ways, this is the journey of our lives. But it's the path that I want to take. This is the path I want my family to take. It's the path I want to take with a community of people. What about you? Let's pray. God, would you develop in us an expanded awareness of your goodness, an expanded awareness that all of life is a gift. And would you form us to be gentle and non-reactive people in a world that feels like it's just waiting to fly off the handle, in a world that is full of dehumanized violence and aggression, God, may you be our source of wholeness, 
of completion. And may that spill out into how we love one another and the people around us. God, may that be true of each of us individually and may may that be true of TNL. We love you, God. Amen.